All right. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Last week we talked about providential plants. And today I have entitled this message, Planets with Purpose. Planets with Purpose. We are at verse 14 of Genesis chapter 1. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Day four, the sun, the moon, and the stars. I've always found it fascinating that God would put in the sky all those stars and then there's only one little like half a sentence <laughs> where God says, oh yeah, I put the stars up there too. Yeah. <laughs> How many billions upon trillions of stars? Oh yeah, and the stars. I made the sun and the moon. Oh, and the stars too, if, if that's yeah, significant. I see here three significant purposes for the sun, the moon, and the stars. Why did God put these there? And again, we are looking at a single day, one single 24-hour period in which the sun, the moon, and the stars were put in the heavens. It says that God hung them there. It did not happen over multiple millions of years, as the evolutionists would try to theorize. It happened in one single day. Now, <clears throat> some folks would say, well, wait a minute. Light travels at 186,000 miles a second. And so a light travels in a year, like 5.8 trillion miles. So one light year is the amount of space that light can travel in one year. And some stars that we're looking at are 100 million light years away. We can see them here, but that light has been traveling for 100 million years, right? Isn't that, doesn't that make sense? You know, yeah, well, the light we're looking at has to be 100 million years old if it takes 100 million light years for it to get here. Well, the fact is, friends, that God created the stars and their light was already touching the earth. It didn't take even five seconds for the light to reach earth. He, the Bible says that he stretched out the heavens. So what that means is he took it and he went, and he put the star here and the light came down here at earth. They started with light upon the earth. So just because it takes 100 million years for the light that's out there to get here at the speed of light doesn't mean that 
they started blank. They started from the star, and he stretched that light out. So that's how you explain it if an evolutionist would say to you, well, wait a minute, it takes this long for light to travel here from such and such star. The universe has to have been that old at least. No, it doesn't, because God <laughs> created the earth with a little bit of age, and he created the stars with their light already touching the surface of the earth. Not a hard problem for God. So these happened in 24 hours. But there's three significant purposes for the planets, for the stars and the, the celestial bodies, the sun, moon, and stars. They're given to us for signs, for seasons, and for separation. First, signs. They are given to us for signs, God said. Well, there's two significant ways in which I think the stars, the sun, and the moon are signs unto us. The first is supernatural signs. God put the sun and the moon and the stars in the sky to give supernatural signs for supernatural events. It's happened multiple times in Scripture, and it happens even today. There's some that haven't happened yet that Scripture predicts. Um, in 2 Kings chapter 20, the sun goes backwards for King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah asked prophet Isaiah for a sign. And uh, God, he said, okay, well, how about if we sent, send the sun forward 10 degrees? And they did it. Well, Hezekiah said, well, going forward is not as big a deal as going backwards. Can you make the sun go backwards 10 degrees? And God did it. He sent the sun backwards 10 degrees. That was a sign for Hezekiah that God was giving him to verify that what he was prophesying was true. 2 Kings 20, if you want to look up the story. Joshua 10. The sun stood still. It stopped moving for an entire day. About a whole day, the sun stopped in the sky. Why? So that Israel could defeat their enemies. They were... They were, so, they were so outnumbered that it took them all, you know, all day to, to get them all. Like they were, they were just killing them like crazy. They were defeating them and beating them. And Joshua's like, we don't got enough daylight left. We're going to have to quit. So what did Joshua do? Talk about faith. And he's actually mentioned in Hebrews 11 for this event. He said, sun, stand still. Moon, stay where you are. And they obeyed. They did that. God made the sun stand still at Joshua's word for an entire day so that Israel could finish killing all of their enemies. Because, you know, they didn't have flashlights yet. So, you know, there was no stadium lights on the battlefield that couldn't keep going. So they had to have the sun stand still. That was a sign. Uh, in Exodus chapter, that was in Joshua 10. In Exodus chapter 10, God darkened the sun as part of the Egyptian plagues that plagued the people of Egypt as a sign to them that I am the ruler. It was kind of a, you know, they worshiped the sun. And here God went, click, I'm turning the sun off on all of Egypt. I always wondered if there was like this big old line when you would step into Goshen, like if you had full darkness and then you step into Goshen and then light. If there was like, if you could, because it says it was so dark you could touch it. Yes. You, could, you could feel the darkness. It was yes. so dark. Yes. That was a sign. 
In Matthew 27, 45, uh, chapter 27, verse 45, there was a three-hour period of darkness during the crucifixion. For three hours, the sun went dark. Most people think it was a solar eclipse. And, and that was a sign of what was actually going on. I mean, no wonder the centurion said, surely this was the Son of God, because when he died, after it been dark for three hours, there, the earthquake happens. That was a sign that the sun went dark was a sign to the people, verifying that God was doing something here. And in Luke 21, verses 25 and 26, Jesus predicts that the sun will go dark and the moon won't give its light. He's predicting and prophesying signs in the heavens. Now, friends, astrology is wrong. Astrology is of the occult. Astrology, if you don't know what that word means, it's horoscopes. It's trying to predict the future using the stars as a guidance. And uh, that is of the occult and of the devil. Astronomy is the study of the stars, and, and that is glorifying to God. And while the so stars are given to us as signs, they are not given to us as guides not spiritual guides. Only the Lord is our spiritual guide. So that's supernatural signs. What about signposts? Uh, you know, when, you, when we talk about a sign here on this planet, we walk down, we got a sign out in the grass right here, and it tells us something. It says, Grace Bible Church. And it says other somewhat ridiculous, maybe clever things. And, and, you know, here, this is where Grace Bible Church is. Or if you're driving down the road and you see a sign that says speed limit 25, you know that you can go at least 35 before they catch you. <laughs> just, just kidding. But you are being told it's displaying something, right? That sign, stop, S-T-O-P. You know that there is a reason that you need to obey that sign. It's displaying something. It's declaring something. It's a signpost. You, you remember the old signpost? They'd say, you know, Richmond this way, so many miles, and Fredericksburg this way, uh, many, many, many more miles. And, you know, it's, it's telling you where to go. That's the signpost where all the signs are. The sun, the moon, and the stars are, are signposts. Let me explain what I mean. First of all, <clears throat> understand this. Skilled seamen can navigate the seas with just the stars. The stars can tell them which direction to go because the stars are consistent and faithful. The sun, the moon, and the stars display the amazing power and awesomeness of God. And I saw a video that I would recommend to you. It's called Indescribable. And you should look up the name Louis Giglio and the, the show Indescribable. It's a sermon. It is incredible. It is powerful. So I can recommend that to you. I might even post it to the church's Facebook page. And if you haven't liked us on Facebook, like us today. Okay, there's your commercial. Like us on Facebook. The sun, the moon, and the stars declare 
the glory of God as a signpost that says God was here. Creator crossing. You know, this is your Savior. Those, those things in the sky declare to us how great he is. They are signposts of his awesomeness. I want to give you just a couple of facts about the stars, about the sky, the sun, and the moon, the stars. Our star, the, our star, the sun, is yellow. It's sort of middle of the road when it comes to heat. It burns at 10,000 degrees on the surface. If you got even as close as, as Mercury, you'd be incinerated. Incinerated. It is incredibly hot. It burns with the power of, I think, let's see, I wrote it down. Billions of nuclear bombs every second. Every second, there's enough power burned off on the sun that would match billions of nuclear explosions. It's a hundred times bigger than the diameter of Earth. One hundred times the diameter of Earth. So one hundred Earths would fit inside the sun. There are... Um, with the moon, if the moon did not exist, the moon would, that would start a chain reaction that would end all life upon the earth. We just think of, oh, it's just the moon, you know, it's just pretty. No, the moon is vital for the survival of life as we know it. Life would have to be completely different. God put the moon there on purpose. It serves a purpose. Now, let's think about this star, and let's just kind of go out bigger into the galaxy, okay? We live in the Milky, Milky Way galaxy. That's where our, our solar system is, the Milky Way galaxy. Is that the Milky Way, or is that a picture of a different galaxy? Okay, it's just a galaxy for illustrative purposes. We live in the Milky Way. Now, within the Milky Way, I think we talked about one time recently, it's 100,000 light years across. Now, light travels at 186,000 miles a second. And so light will travel in one year 5.8 trillion miles. 5.8 trillion miles in one year. So one light year is 5.8 trillion miles across. And the galaxy is 100,000 light years across. So that's a long, long, long way. And within our galaxy, there are estimated, we're not really sure, estimated to be 100 billion stars. 100 billion stars just in the Milky Way. Now this really starts to blow your mind, but hang with me, okay? If you've never heard this, it's amazing. And if you have heard it before, it's good to be reminded of it. 100 billion stars in our galaxy. Now, Scientists also theorize, and they have to theorize because they can't see the end of the universe yet. They keep making a bigger telescope, and they keep finding more universe out there. But they theorize that there are over 100 billion galaxies in the universe. 100 billion galaxies. 
they did an experiment, or not an experiment, but they pointed the Hubble Space Telescope at a part of the sky, okay? They pointed it at the sky. And the, the amount of sky that they pointed it at, you could cover up with a grain of sand. If you put a grain of sand on your finger and you held it up like this, the amount of sky that that grain of sand was covering is the amount of sky they pointed the Hubble Space Telescope at. And they focused in on that one little speck on the sky, okay? And, and, and they focused in on that part. They thought it was dark, just a dark part of the sky. But when they focused that super powerful telescope at it, they, found, they saw what looks like this. They saw little points of light like that. Just kind of ignore the galaxy there. Just, just a whole collection of light points, okay? In those light points like this, every single one of those light points was a galaxy, was a Milky Way. So it's very much like this. I've seen the picture. I didn't have time to put the picture together so we could show you. But it's very much like this. They focused on that one little speck of the sky, and they saw thousands of points of light in that one little speck, 10,000 points of light. And every single one of them was a different galaxy in the universe containing hundreds of billions of stars. If you do the math, it means that there are more stars in the universe. If you take 100 billion stars per galaxy, over 100 billion galaxies in the universe, that means that there are more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand upon the earth. That's a lot of stars. And that is a very, very big God. They are signposts declaring to us, this is how awesome God is. And you know, in all of that time, all that space, all of those stars, there's only one pinprick of a planet that has any life on it. Why did God do all of that? As a sign for you and for me to say, this is how big I am. This is how much I love you. My kids come to me and they frequently go, Daddy, I love you this much. Oh, this much. You know, they, it's, this is not big enough. They just got to keep going and going and going and going. Oh, this much, Daddy. And God says, I love you this much. You can't even see the end of the universe. That's how much I love you. You just, friends, you can't even fathom the infinity that is God, the depths of his love. We could start diving into the depths of his love for all of eternity and we never reach the bottom. You never stop falling. You just keep going and going and going into his love. That's how big he is. That's, and you think your little problem is a problem for God? <laughs> friends. It's not that he doesn't care about your problems or he doesn't weep with you or he's concerned for you. It's just that he made all the stars in a day. The sun, the moon, and all of the stars. All of them. That's why I think it's so fascinating that God says, you know, he says, uh, and God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. 
Oh, uh, by the way, just as an addendum, he made billions upon billions upon billions upon billions of stars. That was just as hard as making the sea, as making the sun. He put those there as a sign. They are meant to be signs to us. They declare the creator. What's the lesson here? God wants us to know him. He put the sun, the moon, and the stars in the sky so that they would declare who he is, what he's like, and what he thinks is important. God wants us to know him. That's the lesson. So what's the second purpose? The second purpose is for seasons. It says in the scripture, listen, there's so many different ways we could take this, but I want you to understand we are studying the book of Genesis. So what the book of Genesis says is what we're going to take our lesson from. And Jesus, God said at the beginning, they're for signs, for seasons, and we'll talk about separation in a minute, but seasons. The sun and the moon and the stars allow us to observe the passing of time. It, sa it says um, there in verse 14, for seasons, for days and years. Seasons, days and years, I feel like are the same thing. They're all measurements of time. They're all time measurements. Imagine if you tried to build a house without a measuring tape without a yardstick, if, if you didn't even know what an inch was, okay, imagine measuring the me units of measure that we have, feet, inches, miles, uh, gallons, pints. Uh, all of you folks from Canada, you have kilometers, right? Um, all of these different units of measure, pound, gram, ton, Imagine if those didn't exist. Let's just erase all of that from our vocabulary. and We no longer know what an inch is. Imagine how chaotic our world would be. If we don't have units of measure, it increases the chaos. Measuring sticks give us order and structure. They give us guidance. So God wanted us to have a way to measure the passing of time. He wants us to be able to, to see it, to observe it, to measure how much time has passed. Otherwise, we would just exist and we would just be, okay, yeah, things are okay. You know, just another, another time period. What is time again? Another day? We wouldn't know what a day was without the sun and the moon and the stars. We wouldn't be able to see a year. You know, you can, you can measure a year based upon the position of the stars, the position of the sun, the sun changes position during each of the seasons, so you can tell what season it is based on the position of the sun, position of the stars at night. All of that you can tell by the sun, the moon, and the stars. Seasons, days, and years. God gave us these heavenly bodies to measure time with. There's no ability to be precise if we have no measurements. It, it provides us with the ability to measure what has happened and anticipate what will come. You see, remembering what has happened before 
is important to the Lord. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8, if you like. Deuteronomy chapter 8, just to give you a scriptural illustration of the fact that God values what is remembered. Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness, to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Remembering what has happened before is very important to God. And without the unit of time to measure it by, well, the time measurement provides context to our understanding of what's happened. How many years ago was it? How many years has God been faithful? That gives us context to be able to say, rather than saying, oh, it was just sometime back there, I I think I remember something. No, God wants us to remember. And the year measurement, the day measurement, gives us context and it strengthens our faith. It strengthens our faith to remember what God has done in the past. But if we can't measure time, we can't figure out what the past is. We only live in the present. We can't figure out what the future is if we don't measure time. Days, months, years. And all of those things are measured based upon the sun, the moon, and the stars. So what's the lesson for us? The lesson is remember what God has done for us in the past and have faith that he controls the future. God put the sun and the moon and the stars there for the purpose of helping us to remember what he has done in the past. Remember how he led us out of Egypt, whatever your Egypt might be. Remember how he's been faithful, how he's wrapped his arms around us and faithfully cared for our needs. Remember those things. Don't forget them. Don't live in the past. But don't forget the past either. God has been faithful to us, and that gives us faith to trust Him in the trials of today and the struggles of tomorrow. But none of that is important if we have no way to measure time. That's why these planets have a purpose. What's the third lesson? The third purpose of the sun, the moon, and the stars is as separation. The sun and the moon are very different from one another. They're very distinct. One rules the day, one rules the night. Quite literally, according to the scriptures, the sun rules the day and the the moon rules the night. They are designed to divide. They're designed to divide. The day and the night are supposed to be separate from each other. And the sun and the moon provide separation. They're ordained to give light upon their respective realms. They are assigned as light sources. I've always found it interesting that light was created before the sun was created. But at the same time, they have been put there to provide light to us. So God designed them to be light givers. 
the sun and the moon, and the stars too. This is a powerful illustration to us, friends. Light is meant to be separate from darkness. Light is meant to be separated from darkness. And we are meant to be separate from sin. We are meant to be set apart. To be different. To not be mixed with sin. We are meant to be separate from sin. I want to point this out through some other scriptures. 1 John chapter 1. Flip past the Pauline epistles, Peter, and get to 1 John. First John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Not just most of it. Not just the one sin you have to commit every day. No, all sin, the blood of Jesus, is powerful enough to handle all of our sin. Now, that's not, that's not saying that I am powerful enough to be free of sin. No, if I say that, well, I'm a liar. But the blood of Jesus is strong enough to deliver us from all sin and that there would be no darkness at all in the light in which we walk. In him is no darkness. You cannot mix these two things. You can't combine them. You can't dabble your feet in the darkness of evil and think that it will not taint you. Friends, I speak to myself. I don't say you, you, you. I say me. I can't dabble in evil and say, oh, I'm just going to compromise a little bit. Only a little bit of gossiping is okay. Just, I mean, I'm only going to talk about one particular person. Everybody else I'm not going to gossip about, but just this one guy over here because he's really annoying. And I got to tell somebody. No, friends. Gossip is a sin. And we can't do a little bit. Oh, I'm only going to lust on one day out of the week. All the others I'm going to be pure, but there's just one day I'm just going to kind of give in to lust because it's so hard to fight it all day, all the time. Uh, just, just a little bit. Uh-uh. Not even one day a week. Not even one hour, one second is okay. You can't mix light and darkness together. They are separate. And friends, if we are children of the light... We should not be making excuses for the darkness. How about look at this one? First John 2, just the next chapter. First John chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion 
of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whether he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. If you hate your brother, you walk in darkness. You say, Pastor, you don't know what that guy did to me. You don't know how much she hurt me. You don't know what depth of pain that is. And you're absolutely right. I don't care to. I don't like knowing that kind of evil. But it, I have to tell you, you are not allowed to hate him. There is no darkness at all in the children of light. And any hatred, any bitterness that you hold on to toward anyone, no matter the hurt they caused you, is poison to your soul. It must be separated from you. As the, the moon cannot mix with the sun, so cannot sin mix with the believer. It has to be separate. How about John chapter 17? This John guy, he knew about light and darkness. He's the one that says, the word was light and the, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and, and that light was the light of men that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. That's the same John guy, okay? He knew light and darkness and he definitely knew they were distinct. But John records for us something Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 15 through 19. John 17, 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. And what is truth? Thy word is truth. We are sanctified, we are cleansed, we are set apart for the glory of God through the word of God. And it is through God's word that we are made separate from our sin, that our sin is separated from us, and that we are able to be in the world, but not of the world, as Jesus said. I don't pray that you take them out. God, Jesus said, and listen, hear me clearly. Jesus said, I don't want them to be out of the world, to not be in the world. I don't want them to be separate in that sense. A monastic mindset. I'm going to withdraw to my monastery and not be part of the world. I'm going to separate from the world. Look, that's of the devil. Jesus said, I don't want them out of the world, but I want them to be untainted by the world. I want that sin, that darkness, that evil, to not mix and compromise and taint and corrupt the children of light. I want them separate from the darkness. In it, but not of it. Shining the light so that the darkness flees from the light within us. When the sun rises, the moon doesn't fight. 
The moon is the lesser light. The, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. The evil is weaker. The good is stronger. The greater light is the light of Jesus. And he is able to overcome sin in us and in the world. But we have to surrender to that power. We have to give up and give in. We have to give up and give over control of our life to the Savior. And so, friends, my message to you today, the lesson for us out of this purpose, is that don't compromise with evil. And if you have made justification for sin in your life, repent. Don't rebel against the light any longer. But receive the freedom that God intended for us to walk in. Walk in the light. Don't try to mix light and good. I mean, uh, good and evil. Don't try to mix those two things together because they were designed from the beginning to be separate. Light and darkness are separate and should not mix. They don't mix. <laughs> well, I'm getting into the weeds. What, what, what sin is it that came to your mind when I started talking about this? Don't say it out loud. You know it. You know what it is. You know what you're dealing with. Don't make compromises or justifications or excuses for those things anymore, but turn away, repent, and be separate. We are to be a set-apart people. We are to be children of light, separate from darkness. And the way we walk in that is through the truth. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. This is what will make us free of sin. It will make us separate from the evil in the world. So the purposes in the planets are these. For signs, for seasons, and for separation. Signs, literally, the darkening of the sun, the moon turning to blood, the, the darkening of the stars. These are signs that God portends and declares. Signs that declare Him. He declares Himself to us through the signs of the heavens. Seasons. He wants us to remember what has happened. To measure time. To measure our time. And to let the things that have happened in the past strengthen our faith for the future. But that wouldn't be possible without the sun, the moon, and the stars. And then separation. The purpose of the sun and the moon is to separate light and dark and to be an illustration to us of the people we are to be in the world, the children of light. The morning is at hand. Walk in the light as he is in the light. And the strength and the power of the great light giver will be ours. That is the lesson. That is the purpose of the planets. The purpose of the sun, the moon, and the stars. Those celestial bodies are there for a reason. And they're powerful and significant reasons.
So what God is speaking to you today, remember those things. Don't turn away from Him. Listen. Listen to what He's telling you and obey. Hear the word of the Lord and let it change your heart. Let it make you different. There is hope to be found in the truth of God. And whether or not maybe you haven't really understood the Lord for what He really is, maybe you've forgotten the things of the past and you're struggling with faith for the future, maybe you're struggling with sin and trying to make excuses for the darkness you've compromised with, this is where you find the freedom. Any of those problems are found here. The awesomeness of God is revealed in His Word. The foundation of faith is found in His Word. And the freedom from sin is found in the truth. Father in Heaven, we know that You are wonderful. We know that You're powerful and strong and mighty. And we know that you put the sun, the moon, and the stars in the sky in one single day to declare your greatness, to speak of your glory. Lord, to help us in so many ways. And so we rejoice in seeing the sun during the day. We are thankful for the moon and its significance at night. We, are, we, we glory in the stars. And we thank you for the purpose that they serve in our world and the great things that they reveal to us about you. Thank you for wanting to know us, for wanting us to know you. You already know us, Lord, but you invite us to know you. What a privilege. What a joy. And so thank you. Help us to walk in that light to walk in your light, Lord. This week as we go about our daily tasks, as, as we face the struggles and the challenges of our daily life, would you give us the grace to walk in the light? As you are in the light, would you cause us, when we see the sun in the sky, help us to remember that that represents you and the light that you shed upon our soul. Give us grace. We pray for this. In the name of our Savior and Lord, Jesus. Amen.